This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly is brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance. One welcome to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse along with you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland. Guardians in the midst of a homestand, taking on the Detroit Tigers this weekend. Good show lined up for you today as in just a little bit we will hear from Guardians second baseman Andre Jimenez as well as starting pitcher Noah Syndergaard. We'll also check in with third base coach Mike Sarbaugh and assistant hitting coach Victor Rodriguez with their thoughts on Manny Ramirez at different stages of his career with Manny heading into the Guardians Hall of Fame on Saturday evening. And Bobby D, Guardians Senior Vice President, has some great stories about not only Manny Ramirez, but also the late Dale Mitchell, who will be inducted as well today. So a lot of good stuff coming up. We'll also visit with Raphael Collins, who is part of the Community Impact Team for the Guardians, and he was part of a great trip for the RBI Softball Girls who were in the RBI World Series down in Florida last week. But first, a quick look at the week gone by, and it's been a short week with a couple of off days, one scheduled, one a postponement, but a two-game series down in Cincinnati. The Guardians won the opener behind Logan Allen's shutout pitching, a 3-0 victory before dropping the second game in Cincinnati. And then after coming up short in the first game of a twin bill on Friday night against the Tigers, the Guardians were trailing late, 1-0, eighth inning, that is when they were able to come from behind, thanks first to Brian Rocchio with the game-tying hit. one nothing Tigers, first and second for Cleveland, one out in the eighth. The 1-2 pitch, a swing and a liner back up the middle, base hit into center. Gonzalez around third, scores the tying run. So Brian Rocchio made an adjustment. He shortened that swing and hit a liner up the middle. And the base hit to center ties the ball game at one. And now you've got to find a way to win this game right here in the eighth. And after Rocchio's hit, it was Will Brennan who came up big. Cisnero, he's ready. Here it comes. Swung in and ripped into deep center field. This ball's over the head of Veerling. Bangs up against the wall. It'll score Calhoun and Rocchio and a two-run double to deep center off the bat of Will Brennan. And the Guardians have a 3-1 to lead. 
Oh, what an at bat for Will Brennan. And he pounds a two-run double over the head of Veerling in center. So a nice win for the Guardians in the nightcap of the doubleheader to salvage a split heading into game three of the series on Saturday night with a 7-10 first pitch. Well, one of the keys offensively a year ago for the Guardians was certainly second baseman Andre Jimenez. He's had moments this season, but been kind of up and down. Last weekend, though, down in St. Pete against the Rays, he was red hot, had an eight-hit weekend, including four on Sunday. We caught up with him after that, and he talked about what has helped him lately get locked in at the plate. Yo creo que los resultados esta vez me acompañaron. He estado desde hace un tiempito. I feel like what you mentioned this year has been kind of like a roller coaster, but I feel in reality this, the difference with this series was that the results were kind of like a little bit on our side. The lot wasn't our side, but in general with the same preparation, the same routines that we've been doing the whole year. So obviously that helped us a little bit to get the results we wanted. But yeah, as you mentioned, this definitely has been a roller coaster. Has it been a real positive learning experience though about you know, the ups and downs of the game that can be really challenging? Sí, claro. Eh, todo, todo yo lo tomo como un aprendizaje. Yeah, it's really important to always take it as a, as a learning experience, you know, and most importantly, that it doesn't only happen to me. It happens to a lot of players, and, and always the, the important part of this learning experience is if you make the most of it, if you try to learn from them and use them not only for this year, but also for my career. So I think, you know, it's very important to, to get all those lessons and make it a, as, a, as a good learning experience. The team offensively had a good weekend too without Jose Ramirez and I know that can be difficult because he means so much to this lineup but but why do you think things clicked in uh, offensively as a team over the weekend? Sí, la verdad es que es que es difícil, pero siento que todos los muchachos asumimos I think we recognize not having him in the lineup. Ramirez is obviously something that each each one of us has to take like take up a little bit of responsibility. So that's why I feel like it worked. Everybody felt like they had to pinch in a little bit more of their offensive responsibilities, knowing that we didn't have Ramirez, as we know, as the leader of this offense. So I felt like it, the conclusion was that we had to put it together and, and contribute something else as, a, as an offense, as a group. So I, I felt that's what happened this series. Uh, Andre, some tremendous plays defensively. You you have a gold glove already, but it seems like this year you you become even stronger defensively. With a challenge, uh, how has the shift or lack of shifts impacted how you play defense and what you can do? Sí, siento que ha sido un poquito distinto. Siento que me costó un poquito adaptarme. Yeah, always it's been quite an adjustment. You know, being without the shift, I particularly like the shift defensively because it allowed me to play in places that I wasn't used to playing before and that kind of like make it a little more fun because you know I was somehow in the outfield trying to make plays that always you know keep me my toes because I was not my natural position so it's been an adjustment I can I have to acknowledge that it's been more difficult but but at the same time it's just it's just what the game is offering and and it's been an adjustment uh, so far but somehow we're getting results but I recognize it's been a difficult adjustment. A couple of new double play partners here after the trade deadline with Brian Rocchio, Gabriel Arias. What are you seeing in them as they get deeper into their major league careers? No, que han lucido muy bien. La verdad, he tenido la fortuna desde pequeño. It's very gratifying to see them play in the, the, the position. You know, I've been very lucky in my career, throughout my career, to play with people who who play the shortstop position very well. You know, they have that sweet, smooth movement in them. So I feel like I, it's, it's very nice to see those that nature of movement in, in them, both in Aries and Rocchio, and especially that we've been able to 
to put that play together at the right time, at the right moment, helping the team. So I feel it's been really special. And most importantly, also the fact that they're Venezuelan. So that's an extra sense of pride for me, being able to play with them and, and, and making really good plays for the helping the team as well. Andres, always good to have you along. Thanks for the visit. No, thank you. Augie, thank you. Thank you, guys. And as always, uh, big thanks to Augie Rivero for the translation help with Andres Jimenez. Another player that we had a chance to visit with this week is starting pitcher Noah Syndergaard. It's been a, an interesting watch as Syndergaard tries to recapture some of his past success when he was a hard thrower in the Mets organization, burst on the scene in the big leagues and helped New York to a World Series back in 2015. But he had Tommy John surgery not too long after that and has a hard time or has had a hard time getting the good velocity back. He's four starts into his Cleveland career, and he's had a couple of good starts, a couple of frustrating ones, but he says the transition has been smooth, and he's glad to be a part of the Guardians organization. Uh, I think just the idea itself of having just a, a clean slate, um, fresh faces, just uh, you know, just being in a, a new environment has really helped kind of put my mind in a, in a better place. When you look back to, to last season, you've been with four different organizations now. How difficult is it to to go through the things that are helpful for you and, and maybe discard things that aren't when, when you're probably hearing a, a lot of different things along the way just because you've changed organizations? Um, you know, it's just funny how things work out that way. Whoever's running the universe or whoever's running the simulation right now, it could always been my dream to ever since I stepped foot at Dodger Stadium to, to play there. And, you know, um, it's just kind of unfortunate I didn't make the most of my opportunity I was there. Um, but whoever's uh, running the universe, whoever is behind all this is, uh, had, a, had a better idea. And I think I would definitely agree, just based off the, with the last two weeks that I've been here, I think uh, this is ultimately where I'm supposed to be. It sounds like you, you feel you can get back to how you were when you first broke in. And even despite the injury, you feel that's still in there for you if you can unlock certain things? Yeah, I mean, because there's just not a whole lot of answers as to pointing why I would be stuff like this. Like, I'm only 30 years old. I take care of my body probably to the best of any athlete around in all sports. Um, you know, I'm a, a big dude, so I think that definitely helps with, with durability and, and health and uh, longevity. Um, and it's just like I, as soon as I had surgery, I was super excited and encouraged almost because I had an opportunity like no other to the 12 to 18 months to really address some some issues and instead of just like staying the same and focus on what made me really good I tried to change everything and now it's like almost like I've forgotten who that old version of me was and now like I've been all throughout the United States different teams been with different coaches and you see like a lot of these this new methodology of teaching pitching and it's like a lot of sitting down the mound like all this vertical shin angle crap and hinging and riding the slope and all this different stuff and I'm like that might work for some guy that's six foot hypermobile has to create a lot on the mound to do a lot whereas me I just relied on big levers power, explosiveness, uh, twitchiness. Um, I wasn't like a big rotational guy. I was able to, so now you look at 
the delivery. They're just completely different thing. So I think if it's like if I had the same delivery and I was this kind of product, then I'd be uh, I have to shift my mindset. Then again, whereas like, but like obviously I'm not moving the way I used to. So if I can get back to there, then if I never throw a hundred again in the rest of my life, that that's fine. But I just I want to like be able to compete against the guys with the bat not myself on the mound because that's what I feel right now because I know that my body is not it's like this is not how you're supposed to deliver a pitch well it's it's fascinating watching you trying to get to a, a good spot and I know that it's gone well results wise since joining the ball club thanks a lot for coming by and sharing yeah, of course thank you that is the always interesting Noah Syndergaard talking about where he's been where he's trying to get to and whether he can make that happen here these uh, last six weeks or so of the baseball season. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll talk RBI program. The girls' softball team was in the RBI World Series. That's next with Raphael Collins after this. Baseball, basketball, pickleball. Those are sports, and people love sports. If you love sports, you should know this. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. Does saving have anything to do with sports? No, the people love sports, so I'm yelling sports out. Hockey, swimming, golf. Not all sports have the word ball in there, so save big when you switch to Progressive. Go sports teams. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland. Guardians and Tigers playing this weekend. Then the Dodgers come in on Tuesday for a three-game series. So good stuff on this homestand. And good stuff for the RBI program and the girls' senior softball team. That's 14 to 18 years of age. They played in the RBI World Series down in Vero Beach, Florida last week. Raphael Collins was on site. He's the assistant director of community impact and diversity initiatives for the Guardians. And he filled us in on that softball team and why they had so much fun down in Vero Beach. Yeah, so our senior softball team here from Cleveland traveled down to Vero Beach, Florida. Uh, they stayed at the Jackie Robinson Complex, which was uh, in historic Dodger Town, where Jackie actually broke the color barrier. So his first games played was at this facility uh, during spring training. And our girls competed against eight other really, really worthy, um, good teams across the country. So not just here in the U.S., but also in Hawaii. Also the Dominican Republic had representatives as well. And when you talk about the RBI World Series, how difficult is it to make it? How many steps do they have to, to pass and tournaments to win, things like that, just to get there? Our program is really strong. So not just our senior softball team, but all of our RBI teams, they go through a fall. They, they play fall ball. They do indoor winter workouts here at the ballpark. Uh, in the spring, we let them go back to their schools and play. And then in the summer, they practice and they play every single week of the summer. And so uh, – 
th- all that is kind of geared up to a, to a RBI regional tournament, which for us was played in Chicago, Illinois, uh, in, in the middle of July. Our girls uh, went into the championship game there as a number one seed. Uh, we actually did not win that game, but they proved enough to make it to the World Series, and so it represented the Midwest region along with the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, they were one of the eight teams to survive uh, the 30-plus teams across the country uh, to go to Vero Beach. With all the things that um, Cleveland Guardians Charities does, if it didn't exist and, and that connection with the RBI program, uh, would this even be on the radar for these kids? You know, it's hard to say. So one of the reasons why we do this program is because it benefits a lot of the people, especially inner-city youth. So when we think about the underserved, uh, we want to make sure that the resources that we get, the resources that MLB provides us, the resources that Cleveland Guardians Charities provides, it benefits the people who need it the most. And we think about that. A lot of it comes from our, our, our Cleveland, Cleveland Metropolitan School District kids. And so uh, we try to fill our rosters as much as we can with CMSD kids. And, again, these are kids that, you know, we've heard from them and we've heard from their parents that uh, – this program helps them to play baseball or softball. They wouldn't be doing it without the help of us, and we're happy to do it. Raf, next week it's the Giveathon, uh, all part of uh, CLE Inspires Week, August the 23rd when the Guardians are taking on the Dodgers. How big a night is that when you're looking to do some things later on for the RBI program? This is really big for us. So <clears throat> Wednesday's game will be our largest fundraiser for the year. The, the money that we raise directly benefits programs just like RBI. We carry 60 kids, 12 coaches, um, and we try to give them the experience that, that no one else can provide. And so this game goes a long, long way in making sure that we can raise money to, to support the kids. What are some of the things that uh, we'll see that's different from a regular game night? Yeah, so different regular game night, you'll see throughout the course of the game, we'll have a lot of different things where fans can kind of call in. Um, if you're actually at the game, you can stop by our tables on the main concourse um, and bid on different auction items. You'll see different things online. Um, some of the kind of cool things that will be announced throughout the course of the day is um, last year we had a few different players make a couple different donations, which was kind of cool. So. Uh, Josh Naylor actually helped contribute funds to cover our RBI uniforms this year for our teams. And so uh, there's a lot of really, really good fun things. If you're at the ballpark around the, uh, around the concourse, uh, you'll see a lot of different tables set up. Stop by any one of them. If you're not at the game, you can go online. You can, you can uh, follow us on CLE Inspires um, on a day on August 23rd. Uh, there'll be a lot of opportunities for you to check out uh, how to give. And again, that is next Wednesday, the Giveathon, uh, part of a, a ton of things going on as uh, part of CLE Inspires Week. Raphael Collins, thanks a lot for coming by. I imagine uh, you've had a, a fun time heading down to Florida with the with the softball team, but uh, we appreciate everything you do. Thank you. Thanks, Rosie. Appreciate you. That's Raphael Collins, the Assistant Director of Community Impact and Diversity Initiatives for the Guardians. A lot of good stuff happening and continuing to happen as part of the RBI program, and Cleveland Guardians Charities. Stay tuned. More to come after this.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two-two pitch, a swing and a long drive, deep left, way back, goal! Manny Ramirez has won it, halfway up the bleachers and left, a two-run homer on a two-two pitch in the 12th. How about these Indians? They win it in 12 innings. Five to four. And when he hit it, he knew it. He just stood at home plate and watched it. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland, where Saturday night, two new members of the Hall of Fame will be inducted. Manny Ramirez, who started his outstanding major league career with Cleveland, and the late Dale Mitchell, a part of the teams back in the late 40s, early 50s. They will be inducted on Saturday night. And we had a chance to visit with Mike Sarbaugh, the Guardians' third base coach, and talk to him about Manny Ramirez. What a great perspective. Sarby was a teammate of Manny's at AA Canton. That's when the, the AA club was down in Canton, and that was 1993. And he explains what it was like playing alongside a very young Manny Ramirez as Ramirez was making his way to the major leagues. Well, from a young age, especially that year, I believe he's either 19 or 20 in AA. And just his approach during batting practice, and it was different. The way he would stay inside the baseball, he had just had a great feel on how to hit at a young age, and it really stood out. And you know, that year, I mean, he just he offensively he was he was above everybody else. And to be that advanced at a young age, it just shows you the ability he had. And I think the the common theme is throughout his major league career was the work that he put in to prepare for that. Could you see that already at, at the minor league level, or is that something that maybe had to take hold later on in his career? Well, I think at the minor league level, especially for, I keep saying a young player, but he was very young, but he just had a, a good idea of what his approach and how he wanted to attack the, the baseball, and that was from batting practice to the game. And it's, it's, it's hard to teach that. He just had that ability to be able to coach himself, um, but he just had a great feel for the barrel and just how to put the bat on the ball. So as time goes by, as a player, you're, you're grinding through trying to get as, as far as you could and then a, a real good coaching career and now at the major league level. How much did you, you follow him on a regular basis as a former teammate to see what he was doing? Well, when I, st- I was starting to coach in the minor leagues here and when I was in Akron, he, would, he came down on a rehab assignment and was able to be around him a little bit there and and then just to follow his career in Boston and um, you know just a special hitter and uh, to be able to you know to know where he came from and the work he put in it's it's pretty special to see the player he turned out to be. So he's going into the the Guardians Hall of Fame on Saturday and not everyone who's a, a high draft pick makes it and certainly not become a superstar like like Manny Ramirez did but from, from what you saw very early on, uh, 
not surprised that, that he had the career that he did? No. Um, you, you could see he had – the confidence was there, and especially um, at a young age, and to continue that throughout the years. And then once he learned how to hit, he used the whole field, and then he gets the, you know, the big leagues and learns how to – hit for a little more power and and just the development that you saw but I think the big thing about him he just he just had a lot of confidence as a hitter when he stepped into the box he felt good about himself thanks Mike you bet that's Mike Sarbaugh a teammate of Manny Ramirez back in 1993 at AA Canton now fast forward to the Boston years for Ramirez and one of his hitting coaches with the Red Sox was Victor Rodriguez and during Manny's heyday in Boston, well, Victor says there weren't many better than Manny Ramirez. Well, uh, how much he took, the importance for him to hit him, how important was the preparation, how he went about his business. Uh, everything that he did hitting was with a purpose. He had a plan, he had a routine, and he stick with it. He, it doesn't matter if he was 0 for 4 or 4 for 4, the guy stick with it, and uh, he was always always ahead of time with the, with the way you prepare for the game. I thought it was interesting. You mentioned that, that he helped you become a better coach. How so? Of course. When you see a guy like Manny prepared, it's not like he told me how to do it. I just saw him how to do it. You know, and, and, the, and, the, and the importance, the, the, the focus, the, the time that he spent and the quality of work that he, that he put every day on the case. You know, taught me that the importance of how to help a young player to prepare for the game. So it, that quality of work, the preparation, how did that translate into the batter's box, allowing him to be better than most? Well, he knew what he needed to work on. He knew who was pitching that day, and he prepared accordingly to that. And uh, he had a routine that he did every day. You know, uh, uh, he did his tea, he did the target, target work, and... Uh, you could not tell if Manny was 10 for 20 or 0 for 20 because Manny was the same. Manny was the same. He stick with his plan. He stick with his routine. And he knew that by doing that, he was going to come out quicker than if he starts searching and moving around. And it sounded like some of those principles rubbed off on teammates. And, and uh, who was maybe a particularly beneficiary of that? Oh, David Ortiz. David Ortiz. Uh, I spent a lot of time with David Ortiz, even more than Manny, and uh, he mentioned Manny all the time. He was responsible of, of his success just by looking at Manny and the way Manny went about his business. Taught David a lot of how to prepare for the game. Victor, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, great perspectives there from Mike Sarbaugh and Victor Rodriguez on the career of Manny Ramirez. Stay with us. We'll have more to come after this. out of bounds. Those are sports words. Some people hear any sports word and they can't help but listen. Like drive. Drive is another sports word. And drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. You might say those savings are on par with the best in the league. <laughs> you see, par is also a sports word, so I know you're still listening. And that's called covering our bases. Okay, I'm done now. But I'm serious about drivers saving big with Progressive. Now I'm really done. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary.
Welcome back to Guardians Weekly, our final segment. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And we always love to check in with Bobby D, Guardian Senior Vice President Bob DiBiasio, who uh, if, if there's history to be known about the Cleveland baseball franchise, Bobby D knows it. And uh, with this year's Hall of Fame class featuring Manny Ramirez and then from a much earlier era, Dale Mitchell, the late Dale Mitchell, Bobby D says that uh, the committee that selected this year's inductees definitely hit a home run. Yes, we did, Rosie, and um, it's always exciting when we can talk about uh, the greats in franchise history. It has been a while since we've uh, had an induction into uh, our Hall of Fame. The 75th anniversary of the 1948 World Series champions, uh, Dale Mitchell was uh, an integral part of that championship ball club. He was one of the best left fielders uh, in baseball at the time and just felt it appropriate. I think he might be the final piece uh, in the Hall of Fame of somebody from that incredible ball club, that championship ball club. Uh, Dave Garcia, our manager back in 1980s, early 80s, would always talk about Rick Manning being a terrific center fielder, but then he'd always add that he wasn't as good as Dale Mitchell, who was probably one of the best out defensive outfielders he had ever seen play. He matched him with Mill Willie Mays, Duke Snyder, all the great names, Larry Doby, all the great names who played in the outfield um, during that period of time. And Dale would win um, top fielding um, awards, uh, you know, most um, put outs and, and fewest errors and the fielding percentage. Um, and I'd always ask Dave, because I had, thought I knew the history of our franchise and, and I wasn't 100% aware of, of Dale Mitchell because we all knew about all the other greats on that team. And um, it just stuck with us for all these years. And then when we came upon the anniversary of the World Series champion um, team, that this would be an appropriate year to put uh, Dale Mitchell into the Hall of Fame. And, and maybe it shows it was a different time in baseball then. His entire career spent with Cleveland. Entire. Um, Dale Mitchell, Jr., and Bo Mitchell, his two sons. Uh, I was actually, Rosie, at the Denver airport, um, snow delay, getting to spring training this year. And Bo Mitchell works with the Colorado Rockies, obviously, you know, that oddly they're here right now. Um, we're playing as we interview, uh, do this interview prior to one of our games against the Rockies. And I thought, you know, on this snowy, cold day, I'm going to call Bo Mitchell. He's a chaplain and was a chaplain for the Colorado Rockies. I said, I'm going to call him and give him some wonderful news and just share with him our, our thoughts. And um, it was a wonderful conversation. I think they're going to have 20-plus family members come um, for the induction ceremony on August, Saturday, August 19th. So that's going to be wonderful. But he, again, one of the guys that didn't get all the fanfare but was an integral part of a championship, World Series championship team. I know you know this stuff. You talked about his defense. Oh, by the way, three times finished in the top five in the American League in batting average, and his 
career batting average, 312. 312. So he, yeah, he no, he was. the bat a little bit, too. Yeah, no, he was a great player, um, known for his defense, but mm-hmm. also a 300 hitter. Certainly deserving of Hall of Fame um, recognition. Bobby D. joining us. We're talking about the 2023 Guardians Hall of Fame class. Dale Mitchell going in, and Manny Ramirez goes in. Uh, Gosh, he was such a big part of those great teams and and had some unbelievable years here in Cleveland. You know, I heard Tito talk about him the other day, um, and the one word he used was a lovable kid. That's what he was when he was here. Uh, Just a remarkably likable, lovable young man who was blessed uh, to be a great hitter but he worked his tail off. That was one thing about Charlie Manuel as their hitting coach, you know, with Albert and Carlos and Jimmy and Manny, they worked hard in those batting cages in early mornings in Winter Haven. And, um, you know, to become one of the best hitters in the game of baseball, you could argue that Manny Ramirez uh, was one of the best right-handed hitters of his generation. Ken Griffey Jr. from the left side, Barry Bonds from the left side, and I think Miguel Cabrera. I mean, you can you can argue Manny's in that discussion. That's how remarkable uh, Manny Ramirez was with a bat. And, and Bobby D. He was part of those great teams in the mid '90s, but he was the young guy, wasn't he? Yeah. It, t- it took him a little bit to to fit in and and find his spot. Batted seventh or eighth in the lineup yeah. with Jim Tomey, and and uh, all of a sudden, you know, he, he liked Jimmy. He crept up, you know, into the middle of the lineup to be an impact player. Uh, I will never forget the 1999 season where Manny drove in, still a single season record for our franchise. 165 runs. He drove in 165 on an offense in 1999, our most prolific offense in our franchise history. In our 103-year American League history, 123-year history in the American League, our franchise has only scored more than 1,000 runs once. That was 1999. He drove in 165 of those runs, um, a remarkable hitter. There was a story, if I may real quickly, Rosie, share with you. Travis Fryman told me uh, a story. Um, When we were sitting in the dugout one day, Travis had announced to just a small group of people that he was retiring. And so I asked him, we going to do one of those big press conferences, you know, in the press interview room. And you, and he goes, no, which didn't surprise anybody that he just wasn't that kind of guy. So I asked him, I said, how about some of the media just meet you in the dugout right now? I'll, I'll grab a number of the, the daily media over and you can explain to them and they can sit on the top steps of the dugout and we can have a nice conversation. He goes, yeah, that would be the way to do it. And while, we sat and talked. I said, give me a story uh, about your time with us. And he goes, oh, Manny Ramirez. And I said, what? And he goes, I was a victim of my regiment, my discipline. When I came off the field, I put my glove 
and my fielding glove and my sunglasses and everything in the same spot in the dugout so I knew exactly where to go get it to get back on the field. Then I'd go get my bat. I always hit behind Manny. One game, I go to the bat rack, and my gamer's gone. And I'm yelling at the bat boys, and I never yelled. And I'm like, where's my gamer? And then I happen to look up, and Manny is using my bat. My bat. Hits a double off the wall. And he's like, well, I can't go up to bat with the same bat that was just used. This is a little league, so I don't know what to do. So he goes, I grabbed a heavier bat. He goes, I probably used Jim Tomey's bat so I could dribble one to second base to get the runner over. No outs. Manny let off, get the guy over. He goes, and I did. So the next time up, I run into the dugout, put my stuff down, go grab my bat before Manny could grab it, and I watched him. And he used somebody else's bat. He said he went four for four that day and never used his own bat. He goes, if that doesn't say what kind of remarkable hitter he was, I don't know what does because you know how much we care about our bats. And I just thought that says it right there, just a remarkable uh, hitter in this game of baseball. A wonderful talent. Ended up playing with several other teams after his time in Cleveland, but he will always be remembered as a Cleveland Indian, no question. Yeah, we think so. Um, I'll never forget when after the first draft, number one draft pick, I think 13th player overall. Um, things were a little bit different back then in our player development system. We were out at Baldwin Wallace College with our draft picks. Our first time the draft picks got together and we're uh, taking batting practice and infield practice and we have the media out there. And my old friend Alan Davis, who was the uh, – um, TV guy for Channel 5 and ended up working in our community relations department, bilingual. So he helped Manny in interviews for us uh, with the group. And uh, Manny's sitting in the batter's box at Baldwin Wallace Field. And so the Baldwin Wallace baseball players are out watching our draft picks and their coach saddles up to us. And Manny's hitting balls and he looked at us, he goes, I've never in all my years seen anybody hit a ball where he's hitting them in batting practice, ever. And he's doing it on every swing. He goes, that young man is special. And uh, uh, from day one, he came to Cleveland at Baltimore Wallace College, taking batting practice. We saw something incredibly special with a, a gentleman with a bat in his hands, incredibly special. Bobby D., always great to have you along. Thanks for sharing on the Hall of Fame class for this year. Thank you, Rosie. That's Guardian Senior Vice President Bob DiBiasio, and that's going to do it for this edition of Guardians Weekly. As always, thanks to Brian Matze for helping to put together our show each week. We join you next week from north of the border in Toronto, where the Guardians open a new road swing against the Blue Jays. Until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance.